0: You're listening to the True Life Church podcast. Sermons are recorded at our Sunday gatherings from Melbourne, Florida. True Life Church guides people to take the next steps in their relationship with Jesus Christ to grow, belong, and serve. We hope this audio message encourages you to take your own next steps in faith. If you'd like to know more about our church or attend one of our gatherings, find us online at www.truelifemelbourne.com. Today's message comes from lead Pastor Joshua Smith
1: Anyway, so it's not a fun day unless something breaks here. Um, hopefully, hopefully, that is ourselves today. Hopefully that is our heart. Being uh, conformed more to Christ's likeness and uh, regenerate spirit. So, um, thanks, Brad, one of our elders, uh, Brad Decatur, who uh, who led us in a time of communion earlier. Brad filled in last Sunday, and if you missed it, it's a great message. It's available on our website and our podcast. And he would, he continued our series in Acts uh, in chapter eight and uh, took a took a deeper look at counterfeit faith versus genuine faith, and uh, covered some key moments. In the early church, through persons like Philip um, and the Simon the magician, Simon the musician, yeah, (laughs) Simon the magician, uh, as well as an Ethiopian uh, eunuch who who came to faith in Christ, and because of Jesus, had some incredible life changing encounters. And uh, I just want to actually highlight a little bit of that last week. uh, Just one one two verses in particular, just to remind us why we're doing. Uh, what we're doing here at True Life Church. And it's from Acts chapter 8, verses 30 and 31. And so Philip ran to him, this is the Ethiopian eunuch, so Philip ran to him and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked, do you understand what you were reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And hopefully you are aware by this point that we at True Life Church guide people to take the next steps in the relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's, there's much of the world who is hungering for an answer to that question. They, they, they may want to know more. They may know that they need to know more. Uh, some are completely oblivious, as we'll discover later in today's reading. But um, how can I unless someone guides me? And so uh, for us here at True Life Church, again, we guide people to take the next steps in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's my hope that you who are believers in a body, part of this body of Christ, are guiding someone. You are making disciples, as Jesus has called us to go into all the world and do, make disciples and teach them. And uh, what we are what we find is that there's so much of our Christian American world today that can't even encapsulate what the gospel is. We're coming to that either later today or next week. And uh, anyone who chooses to join Pizza for the Pastor, it might not be quite as fun as you had previously anticipated, because that's one of the things we're, we're talking about. We, don't, we, we here at True Life Church don't need more members to fill seats. Any more people who know what the gospel is and are willing to go share it with the world. And uh, so anyway, so thank you Brad for filling in last week and just, I was reading through that and, and just highlighted it to me and just, man, really, really thankful for who you are and who God has called us to be here at True Life Church. Uh, for our scripture reading today, I actually want to invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is going to be our scripture reading as we start off the message uh, this morning. And uh, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, so as is our new custom here at True Life Church, um, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Second Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that the, the, any words that I speak today would, would simply just be you through me, that we would be gathered together in a righteous and, and holy fear, of who you are, that we would seek to understand and that you would reveal through the Spirit uh, what we need to know this morning so that we may be uh, furthering your kingdom and, um, and changed because of who you are. Lord, all these things we ask in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I want to start with this scripture because of of where we're going this morning. Um, Yes, we are still in the book of Acts. We're still in the series of Acts. And trust me, we'll get there very quickly. But I wanted to start off with this scripture because if you're even somewhat vaguely familiar uh, with the Bible, you may have heard of Saul or Paul. Uh, Paul wrote much of what we call the New Testament now. But there was a moment, a few numbers of moments in fact, years where Paul was not the man we know him or come to know him as. There was pre Paul. And pre Paul, uh, he went by the name of Saul. And Saul was from Tarsus. So, this Saul of Tarsus, we're going to get to know a little bit today. And, but in this scripture, I wanted to start here because it's very clear that Paul, Saul, understands what a new creation in Christ is, he knows who he was before. He knows who he is now, who God has made him into, and the significant and charismatic difference between those two individuals. And only God can do something like this in a human heart. Here we have a lot of, of talking of, uh, again, new creation in Christ. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. And I want to start off with just a, a tiny little bit of a, a soapbox because... Uh, we're in a Christian culture today, especially in America, where this ministry of reconciliation has been misunderstood. Uh, a friend of mine who's looking for a church in the North Atlanta area sent me a church to check out. He's like, hey, I need your help checking out this this church. Look at their website and tell me what you think. You as well can look up this church should you prefer. Um, the name isn't hard. It's just Reconcile, Reconciliation Church. And uh, they've targeted a lot of everything that they do is about justice and mercy and social justice and racial reconciliation and gender reconciliation and, and wealth reconciliation, all this other kind of stuff. And it's a misunderstanding of the message because we aren't called to reconcile each other. Right? The ministry of reconciliation that we have been given is to call people back to God. That's the ministry of reconciliation. And only by a correct understanding of that ministry of reconciliation is there any possibility, hope, or need for reconciliation between one another? It's all overflowing out of our relationship with Christ, and uh, even on Sunday nights, as we've gone through and we're wrapping up this evening, our fruits of the Spirit uh, from Galatians chapter five, specifically verse 22, the last. Uh, this will finish up tonight. The last 11 weeks, and yes, there are only nine fruits of the Spirit, but we've we had a little bumper in the beginning and a bumper. Tonight, which is just called Dessert Night, and I'm looking forward to it with conversation. Um, uh, but we've spent the last 11 weeks now in talking about the fruits of the Spirit and how they are not equal to a worldly alternative. And one of the, one of the weeks that we had was kindness is not equal to social justice. And that was a very important message for us, but it's a message that, um, that much of the world, in fact, much of the church is misunderstanding, right? And we talked about that even a few weeks ago in the parable of the Good Samaritan. So I won't dwell there too too long, but as we read this and understand that the reconciliation, which Paul is is calling out here, is us being reconciled to God. And so our primary, if not anywhere, not even on the radar, our focus is not racial reconciliation, right? Because according to the Word of God, there's just one race, the human race, right? And, And we are all part of it. So who cares what color your skin is? Black, white, yellow, tall, short, pretty, ugly, rich, poor, doesn't matter. Sinners. All. Some of us are saved sinners. Hallelujah. We're called to that reconciliation. And Paul's life by this point has been dramatically changed. For us, we're going to leapfrog back in time now to talk about who this man was. And if we don't understand that, it may mislead us into the dramatic difference that he had in his life. Saul of Tarsus, this is who he was, and Tarsus is in an area called Sicilia, which is modern day Turkey. A few weeks ago, we had a conversation about Hellenistic Jews um, versus Jews who had been in Jerusalem. And Paul, in fact, and this will be important later, was actually one of the Hellenistic Jews because he was uh, grew up Jewish. Uh, he was born of Jewish parents in the Turkey area of Turkey there, um, and uh, both his parents had Roman citizenship that was then passed to him. He was grandfathered in as a Roman citizen. This will also be important uh, soon here in the book of Acts. Uh, But his family moved from Tarsus um, to Jerusalem when he was a young boy. Not a specific age or specific time. So he he left where he was, and we we know from Acts chapter 22, he left uh, the area of Sicilia and moved with his family as a young boy to Jerusalem. And there... He was a student of the rabbi or teacher, the Pharisee, Gamaliel. Now, hopefully some of this light bulb might be clicking on because just a few weeks ago we talked about this Gamaliel. And uh, that was in Acts chapter 5 where Peter and John uh, were, if you recall, were imprisoned um, and, and being uh, punished and for talking about the Word of God. Uh, talking about Jesus Christ and speaking Christ crucified and the same ministry of reconciliation that Paul was talking about, uh, now we've read earlier, though it was written later. Regardless, you have Peter and John saying, we must obey God rather than men, to which the Pharisees and the Sadducees came together and they said, what are we going to do about this? And it was Gamaliel, if you remember, who spoke up and said, look, we've had a whole bunch of upstarts kind of Say, I'm really somebody, and then they're killed, or start a new religion, and then it doesn't fade. And if this movement really is from the Lord, you ain't gonna never stop it. That's a paraphrase from, from Acts chapter 5. You can read it there, but it's, you, you understand, like, this is kind of, he, he's laying this out. So, this is the same Gamaliel that Saul of Tarsus was a student of. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, uh, right around the time of Stephen and right before his stoning, we know that a great number of the priests came to be followers of what we'll call the way, came to be Christ's followers. A great many priests joined them, and, and Gamaliel could have been one of them. We don't know that for sure. There's only uh, these couple of instances in Scripture where we, we have any uh, knowledge about him. The historian Josephus writes something about him later, as well as his son Simon um, but regardless, they were a very well thought of, very wise uh, family there in Jerusalem. So Saul of Tarsus, student of Gamaliel, born in Sicilia, and then moved to Jerusalem, grew up under uh, Gamaliel's tutoring. And under his tutoring would have had an innate knowledge of the scriptures. And this guy, at this point, would have been your, your top of the class knew most of the scriptures, probably graduated first in his class of Talmudim or whatever they would have had back in the day, and, and w- would have had exemplary knowledge of what we will call the, the Old Testament, the scriptures, or the law especially of the Torah. And we'll find out that later because he will be able to put Hellenistic Jews and Jews in Jerusalem likewise in their place based on his knowledge of the scriptures. And once he understands who Christ is, the light bulb goes off in his own life as well, and he's able to understand. But we're not quite there yet. Well, Saul, to this point, is a religious zealot. And he's very passionate about holding to the the pre-Messianic perspective of the Old Testament. In other words, that Jesus Christ was not the messiah it was just some weird guy who people are spreading some rumors about some people are following him even to death and uh, some say he did miracles on that kind of stuff i don't know about all that i didn't see it i wasn't there and, and, you know to his knowledge he, he actually might have showed up for one of these two things in, in the past of Jesus' life regardless here he is and he's pursuing and hunting down men and women going town to town, city to city, region to region, hunting down followers of Christ. Either punishing, imprisoning, or killing or overseeing the killing of these people. So he's like dog the bounty hunter times ten. you know, And he's tracking these people down uh, like a bloodhound for the Jewish zealots of the day. And so he, now beginning in chapter 9, verse 1, Saul, this Saul of Tarsus, hopefully we have a little bit better understanding of who he is and his background. And so he he comes in very knowledgeable about the Scriptures, very passionate about the faith which he is pursuing, and wanting to check all the boxes, saying, I'm doing everything right. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, "...went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way..." And this is actually the first time we hear of the the term, the way. And that's a reference to the early Christ followers before they were known as Christians. Uh, It was the way. And uh, this could either be looked at as followers of the way, the truth, the life, uh, and the person of Jesus Christ, the way of salvation... So, any belonging to the way, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Now, before we get to further into this, Damascus is about 135 miles northeast of Jerusalem. Uh, it would have been about a six-day journey at that time frame. So he would have set out with some traveling companions. Probably didn't want to make that journey alone. Uh, much of the roads back in those days were not safe, especially the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so, there's, you know, he's going to take some people with him, and most likely some some more stormtrooper type of guys. You know, if anyone follows Star Wars, you know, here comes the Inquisitors, right? Here comes, here comes Saul of Tarsus. Here he comes, and a whole bunch of little stormtroopers, pew 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 pew, who can't anything. Here they, here they're gonna come along, right? And they're gonna try to track down all of these, uh, all of these people of, of the way. And so it's about a six-day journey, and so they're they're heading down there, and we know from what's about to happen that Saul has an encounter with Christ. So let's continue. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And we know from Acts chapter 22 um, that when he's going to tell this story, again, as a, as a defense for his faith, that this was about noon. All right, I don't know if you've ever been outside at noon. Anyone ever? Yes, okay, just making sure. Um, it's not dark. I'll just put that out there. It's usually not dark at noon, There might be a rain cloud that's just kind of like hanging overhead for a little bit. But uh, even then, it's it's not dark. And you know what noon is. And I knew what noon is. and, And Saul of Tarsus knew what noon is. And it's bright at noon. And even brighter than the sun comes this light. A light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Arise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Well The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. He's blind. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate, nor drank. Now we're gonna I want to reference a couple of scriptures here, uh, and they won't be up on the screen because we're just gonna be flying because it's little snippets, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, Saul writes, Have I not seen Jesus? In chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, verse 8, he says, He, Jesus, also appeared to me. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 16, uh, he writes, God revealed His Son to me, and then later the same chapter in verse 27. So we, we know from, from Paul's own writings here, and from his own testimony, that in this bright light, he saw Christ. Now, the others didn't see that. They saw the light. And they heard the voice, but they could not understand it. But it was very, very clear to Saul. And so, fortunately, because Saul was having his traveling companions with him, and they also saw the light, but weren't blinded, and they also heard the voice, but couldn't understand it, we have a very important takeaway here. And that's actually that Saul's experience was not made up. It wasn't fabricated. Scripture has shown us, thankfully, that there, there were witnesses to this. Because how easy would it have been to go off in the, on, a, you know, on a trail by your own and be like, I had an experience. You're like, sure you did. you know. But thankfully, there were witnesses. I and mean, you're like, yeah, there's this voice. What did it say? I couldn't make it out. And it got really bright, really, really bright light in the middle of the day. What, what was in the light? I, I don't know. I can't say for sure. So we have witnesses that say this Saul's experience wasn't made up. Again in verse 7, those who were with me saw the light but did not understand the voice of the one who is speaking to me. That's Paul writing later here in chapter 22 when he, again he's giving his testimony. And these traveling companions worth noting as they were traveling with Saul with these probably the same papers, with the goal of finding followers of the way on the way to Damascus and then the synagogues in Damascus, they were probably against the early Christians as well. They were probably people following along with Saul with the goal of taking out the early Christians. And Jesus here, we we have a few things we're going to highlight from this. First of all, Jesus' words and the light appearing to Saul. Says what? Saul. Saul. He calls his name twice. First of all, it's important. And we'll talk about it in just a minute. But Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now up until this point, we know Saul's been persecuting who? The Christians. But what does Saul here? Why are you persecuting me? Hopefully we find some great comfort in those simple words. For those of us who are in the body of Christ, inseparable from Christ, thanks be to God. Made one in Christ because of what he's done for us on the cross. And so Jesus' words say, hey, you're persecuting me. To which his defense could have been, you know, I've been persecuting the church. I've been persecuting these believers. And the response probably would have been something alongs of, it's still me. These are my sheep. This is my church. These are my people. And again, hopefully, it brings us great comfort because of the oneness that we have found in Christ. I don't know. I just, I find myself dwelling there this week and just not really having much more to say about it than, man, to be found in Christ. To be known by Christ. What a joy. And so for three days, we have Saul here unable to see. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime I come across anything about three days in the Bible, my mind goes at least one place right. to a tomb which was filled and then emptied. Jesus Christ is resurrection. My mind also may go to a whale of an experience. Just ask Jonah. Three days he was inside the belly of the fish before he was out on a beach somewhere. And again, I can think of better ways to travel. But there was Jonah. And so Saul... And God's timely wisdom has, you might want to call it, a Jonah Jesus-esque moment to where he too must sit. It says, for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. And this wasn't a punishment that he couldn't eat or drink, it doesn't say that, but it was probably more of a choice. He's lost one of his five primary senses. I don't know about you, uh, but I've had at least one experience with COVID, uh, so the tests tell me. Um, And it was last year, year and a half ago. And for the better part of two weeks, I, as maybe some of you, lost the sense of smell and taste. I'll tell you what, I'd rather deal with a cough any day. Like, hit me up with the worst case of the sniffles and body aches, but please... Please keep my sense of taste and smell, because Chick-fil-A <laughs> loses its meaning. <laughs> Dr. Pepper loses its flavor. There's 23 of them, so he lost all of them. <laughs> Sour Patch Kids become a, just a nasty goo of a consistency. <laughs> And so Saul here has lost a major primary sense. It's just gone and he has to be led by the hand. Here's, here's a young man who's, who's lost his sense of sight and having to be led by the hand because he's never been blind in his life before. So he has to be led by the hand into the city of Damascus. So in his mind, he was probably going to enter the city of Damascus in a triumphant-like way. Here comes the ruler, here comes the, the Pharisee. Come to wipe out this, you know, revolution. Ha! <laughs> here I come. And instead, here he comes in, humbled, if not humiliated, blind, being led by the hand, having no idea where he's really at. I'm thankful for moments in which God humbles us. We think we've got it all figured out. Even in our faith sometimes, as Saul did, I've got this down. I know what's going on. I can put someone else in their place. And I think the moment we think that, friends, expect a humbling. It's what God is continuing to teach me in my life as well. So you're safer off just not thinking that? It doesn't mean that the humbling still won't come. It just means you might not have to fall quite so far for the lesson. So Saul of Tarsus, this mighty man of faith in his own mind, comes into his mission weakened and helpless. For three days, he doesn't eat, he doesn't drink, and he can't see. It's a pretty dark place to be. I can't imagine what was going through his mind at the time, but I can guess. Because he had just had an encounter with the real, real, living, true God, showing himself as the person of Jesus Christ, saying, What are you doing? What an experience. On the road to Damascus, Jesus called Saul by his name. And now going into verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, what? If you're following along? Ananias. Ananias. Wow, that's profound, isn't it? (laughs) Here's a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord in the vision says? Ananias. Ananias. Like, I know who I am. But if you need some comfort or for some encouragement or even some conviction this morning is that God knows you by name. He knows how many hairs are on your head, how many days you will live. Not even a sparrow falls to the ground. Not God being aware of it. And sometimes I think we can drift through life we're like, ah, there's some distance between me and God. Maybe He's not going to see this thing I'm going to do over here. I can hide it. Maybe... Because other people are unaware of this issue, God therefore also is unaware of of this issue. Maybe I won't be called out in my faith. I can come in just like that moment from the movie, Rango, blend in. Just blend in. And so on both ends of the spectrum here, we see the same Lord using their names individually. One calling out of the old into the new. He would write later, the old creation is gone, the new has come, saying this call of reconciliation and regeneration and repentance. And on the other, we have this call to a disciple who is already in place in Damascus, which actually we don't even know how Christ's followers got to Damascus, other than we can surmise that after the stoning of Stephen, this is the place where some of them went. So here we have a disciple named Ananias. Again, this is not the Ananias and Sapphira we read about earlier. That guy's dead. All right, Different Ananias in a different town. And here, called by name, Ananias. And this call for this Ananias from the same Lord isn't for regeneration. This call... Is for obedience. Let's read. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And and that's what Ananias said. And, And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight, and I gotta love how just specific this is. I mean, this is this is like the equivalent of God saying, um, "Hey, uh, Kevin, uh, go to uh, twelve eighty West Riverside Drive, and and at that house, there's gonna be a guy named Bill, and find Bill, right? And Bill has been praying, and Bill knows you're coming." That's just, I don't know. That's just, yeah, you, you, you can't make this stuff up. How specific this vision is, and so we see that God is taking care of both sides, that, that Saul knows Ananias is coming, and now Ananias knows he's got to go get Saul. Saul. And lay hands on him. And if he doesn't, this man Saul will not regain his sight. There's a mission. So Saul is waiting for this Ananias guy, who he's literally never seen before. Now here we have the call to Ananias. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, this Saul of Tarsus, this Christ's following hunter-killer. I have heard about how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So he goes to Straight Street. And if you're curious, Straight Street still exists to this day in the city of Damascus. It's one of the oldest continually occupied streets on planet Earth. Um, There have been records of people living on this street for thousands and thousands of of years, the street goes east-west. There's a crazy, cool, huge arch gate which uh, still stands to this day, and Straight Street still exists. You can you can pull up the Google machine, if you don't believe me, it's there. And he, he goes to Ananias goes to to Straight Street to this house of Judas, and there is this dude Saul. And laying his hands on him, he said. Man, I can't believe how much you've done to the church. (laughs) Laying hands on him, he probably shook him. (laughs) What are you doing? I can't believe I'm touching you. Laying hands on him, he hit him a few times. How does that feel, Saul of Tarsus? I don't see any of that here. These These were statements in jest. No, he, Ananias comes, and here's the house, laying his hands on him, and he says, what? I love these first two words. Brother Saul. Brother Saul. In other words, this ministry of reconciliation that we read earlier that Paul will soon write about, Ananias understands. How would he understand that apart from Christ? There is no way. And so he comes in and despite everything that this hunter-killer has done to the church, Ananias comes in, puts his hands on him, and I'm sure probably in a very gentle-like way, almost whispers, Brother Saul. And knowing who he was, Can you imagine hearing those words from his perspective? Here comes someone from the people I've been hunting and overseeing their punishment, imprisonment, and killing. And he's almost wrapping his arms around me saying, Brother, there is no love like this found in the world. There is no forgiveness found apart from Christ like this. So one of your takeaways might be this morning, simply there might be someone where you need to put your hands on in a physical or metaphorical way and say, Brother, sister, not because of what I have done, but because of who Christ is. And that same Spirit of Christ dwelling in me, I forgive you. I don't hold these trespasses against you. You may have lied about me. You may have posted some fake thing on social media. You may have hurt my feelings. You may have gossiped at the workplace. It's not saying it's okay. It's saying you're free. Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came. Has sent me so that you may regain your sight. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately. Right then, right there, immediately something like scales. Scales. Fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he arose and what? Was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. And we see here from Saul as well as the. References we have already earlier in the book of Acts, when people are saying to apostles like Peter and John, saying, what must I do to be saved? Repent and be baptized, every single one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And so they, they repent and say, I've, I've, I've done wrong, I've, I've sinned against God and His Word, I need forgiveness, I understand that that forgiveness can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ, Lord, forgive me. And because of that forgiveness, because of that new life found in Christ, granted not time with Him now, but also for eternity. This is the gospel. We have sinned against God. We have broken His law. We have forgotten His love. We have done what we want to do instead of what He's called us to do. And not a single one of us are exempt. Even Saul, who is the religious creme de la creme, of the day cream of the cream what does that mean in French maybe some type of dessert that's what it sounds like again cream of the cream it's the best of the best and such a contrast because later Paul will write I am chief of sinners lowly, wretched worst of the worst because of his understanding Of where he really fits and the supremacy of Christ. So Saul gains his sight, is forgiven, repentant, and then baptized. Sometimes I think we as modern day Christians, we like wait for baptism in other words like I might have been saved at whatever whatever day or year and then like but baptism that's this whole other thing and like we'll do that when I'm more serious about my faith scripturally that's not what we find this repentance and baptism are like part of the same sandwich And I don't know about you, but I was raised in a Christian home. I'm thankful for that. Uh, I accepted Christ as my Savior when I was three. I still remember that. On the flip side, I had no idea. I had no idea how important that really was. I knew I needed Jesus, but I didn't understand the depravity and why, really, to the extent. Furthermore, at three years old, like, I was perfect, right? <laughs> like, I hadn't really messed up in my life too much by that point, except maybe not eating the right amount of jello or not putting my cars away or being obedient to my mom in the same way. I hadn't ne- messed up nearly as much in my life. Well, I was baptized when I was eight. I had a better understanding. I was baptized at Harbor City Baptist Church there on Pinapple, uh, there and in, in, uh, over that way um, by the river. And uh, I had a better understanding then. And even then, the pastor sat me down, and I had to do at least one or two meetings. Do you know what you're doing? Yeah. Do you know what you're doing? And so I I felt this weight of baptism instead of a freedom in the baptism. Baptism is not a salvation issue. What it is is a sign of, of an absolutely turned-around life. The only person who can do that is Jesus Christ. Like, you're going to redirect. You're going to find some inspirational quotes or memes. You're going to read a fantastic self-help book or attend a seminar. And you might course-correct a little bit, but you're still going the wrong way. Imagine, if you will, we're going to do a fun analogy here, imagine, if you will, that at this end of the room, is a wall full of chainsaws and flamethrowers. Okay. All right? Just that's at this end. All right? Production booths, buzz noises, and yes. fire sounds. All right? <laughs> so imagine at this end is chainsaws and flamethrowers, and, and, and here I am. I'm going to go walk this way. Is this a good idea? No. Why? Who's going to stop me? How will I know unless someone guides me? Right? So I'm with chainsaws and flamethrowers. Here I come. <laughs> You know, that iconic scream This in every, (laughs) you know, Star Wars and Indiana Jones movie and everything like that. There's always one guy who has that same scream. You can actually look this up. There's some name for it. There's a Wilhelm Wilhelm scream. That's it. There's the Wilhelm scream. And it's almost like in every movie, they almost try to insert this Wilhelm scream. And if you know what to listen for, it's hilarious. Like, (laughs) oh, there it is. Stormtrooper number 541. Ah, there it goes. So is this a good idea for me to keep walking this way? No, but this is the direction the world walks every day. Every day. Turn. then Right, <laughs> then turn! Turn from your wicked ways. This way leads to certain death, where there's at least weeping and gnashing of many chainsawed teeth. Right? So I turn from this way. Why? Because this way goes to death. This is chainsaws and flamethrowers. Turn and then walk this way. Right? These are the only two options in life. And what our world likes to do is like this. Um, Hey, hey, is this cool? I'm kind of not going that way. I'll lean this way a little bit. I'll keep a, maybe I can keep moving this way so I can get wider, go this direction and this direction at the same time. You know, I can be caught in the middle. Is this area Okay. We got over here. We got the gray area in the middle. I'll just hang out here and maybe Mm -hmm. go to church a little bit. (parгля). Okay, okay, I did bad. Okay, and then over here, (stopски) and then okay, I did bad. Like, no, it's not. Doesn't work that way. We're either going one direction, or you're going to death. Wilhelm scream, (laughs) right? So we want to be going this direction, and at some moment, some moment in time. Christ. That's my hope and prayer for you. If you don't know already, someone shares the gospel with you. You may have a Saul-like moment on the road to Damascus and God just like interjects your life exactly where you're at. And you literally wake up the next day a different person. You're like, I can't explain it. Like the alcohol, gone. Addiction, gone. Desires, gone. Like I'm a different person. Or you may be more like a discipleship type of thing. Like, it took them three years. And even then, they hadn't figured it all yet. And then later, Holy Spirit, and they're like, oh, okay, that's what he meant. It might, it might take you a little bit longer, but you're either going this way, or you're, go, you're going this way. This way is a regenerate spirit saying, I'm not going to walk that way anymore. And our world, even our Christian Americanized culture, wants to just hang out here. Maybe take just a little step this way. What can I get away with? Can I get away with this? Yeah, I'm not. Am I dead yet? Nope. Yay. Can I get away with this? Nope. Still alive. Friends, we've got to be walking the same way. And, and at some moment, hopefully, most, if not all of you, have encountered Christ. Someone has shared the gospel with you. You've repented, saying, I, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I have persecuted with my life, my actions, my words. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords stand guilty. So just some food for thought today as you move to death or life. There's three kind of groups of, of people or sections that we're going to kind of bring out within this section of a chapter today as we get nearer to closing. First of all, you have the traveling companions going along with Saul. They did not understand what was said. They could not see what was in the light. This, in a parable of the sower in a seed like way, can be referenced like the world, if not some people who believe. It's not enough to believe. James tells us that. Even the demons believe that there is God. But which way are we walking? Are we even moving? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, through chapter 3, verse 9. Hear me out, hear Paul out, rather. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, though we had the knowledge to be able to do so. And these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they were folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. These other men on the road, for whatever reason, could not understand. They saw, but could not see. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. You're heading towards chainsaws and flamethrowers. Get it together. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh, and be, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. For when one says, "I follow Paul," and another, "I follow Apollos," are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Just servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Had a conversation this week with a uh, man I met, and uh, like most conversations, try to go with people I've never met before. Hey, do you go to church? What do you believe? Do you know Jesus? And this man's answer was, well, I took my son to, uh, to Catholic school. This was, this was his answer. That's his answer. And uh, he said, and my wife went to a, a Catholic college. Um, so, yeah, we're Catholic. <laughs> okay. What about you, sir? And... Uh, he said, you know, we've always tried to be really uh, really nice to the, the priests whenever we had a chance to interact with them because, you know, you don't want to upset someone who controls your faith. Wow. I could understand in this conversation, it was going to be hard to make headway in about the five minutes I was going to be able to interact with him. But man, that was, a, that was an interesting slash tough conversation. Being in a garage doesn't make you a car. (laughs) Taking your kid to Catholic school doesn't doesn't make you Catholic. No understanding of of faith. Because, friends, if you are unaware or grew up in that background, I don't control your faith. It's not something I'm in charge of. God, for right now, is has put me in charge of spiritually feeding the flock in the teaching of the Word of God. And that, arguably, is important. But I don't control your faith. That's your faith. It's the emphasis on your. This is the way some of the world, even the Christian world, thinks. These are people who would put down on a survey. Are you religious? Yes. Do you go to church? Yes. I have no idea what box they're checking. They're existing in the gray area. And we know from the book of Revelation that there is no room for the gray area. We're called to be hot or cold. The lukewarm, the gray area in the middle will be spit out. you have the traveling companions that didn't understand. Heard, but didn't understand. Saw, but didn't see. Then you have Saul and his conversion. And that was a 180 degree about face. And from this moment on, not only were there witnesses at his conversion, but from this moment on, every person he interacts with becomes a witness to, that's a changed dude. I mean, this is the guy who was hunting down and killing people at the church. Now he's one of us, enduring persecution as well, being imprisoned as well, being beaten as well, and eventually being martyred as well. That's a totally different guy. And this is what Jesus has the power of doing in our lives, on a large macro scale, or even the micro, as we we become more and more like Christ. Not choosing this anymore. And not having the desire to do that anymore. And being called for now reasons that we can explain before we had no idea because we were of the world. But now it's been laid out for us. And say, well, this is the way we should go. This is the way I should be walking. Let's avoid chainsaws and flamethrowers. In Luke chapter 5 verse 32, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. To repentance. Who in here is a sinner? Hopefully all hands go up. Don't be really excited about it, right? We might have to have a conversation. Ooh, me! Ooh, me! Okay. (laughs) Right? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, Saul was righteous in his own eyes, but not in the eyes of God. That's the only perspective that matters. That's why Paul, again, later writes, I was chief of sinners, worst of the worst, lowly, wretched. And so if you hear anyone or see any Christian-like meme or teaching saying, you are a good person, it is a lie. No one is good, not one. You can say, hey, you got this life on your own. No, you don't. You can't. Sorry. There's a lot of false teaching out there we need to be careful of. My hope is that every one of us has a moment we, which we, we can look back and say, there's a moment of conversion in my life. Whether it took five minutes, five days, five weeks, or even five years, I can trace it back to this intersection of time. And thanks be to God, because we're trying to walk this direction together. We might bump every once in a while as we try to move this way together. But, but we were saved. And we are being saved. And we will be saved. Acts chapter 2, we've already read Peter say, repent and be baptized. Not repent and then really think seriously about baptism. Like when you're ready and you have the appropriate attire. You know, and make a big deal of it and make sure there's cake and a certificate. No. Repent and be baptized. Same sandwich. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the same call for us today, again, regardless of how long you've known him, repent. Walk this, Walk this way. Walk, walk this way. Joshie said earlier. Turn around! Hopefully someone walks away with that message alone. That's enough. And while you may have, again, a discipling or a Saul moment, what will be obvious is the direction in which you are running. I sent a very long email this week. If you subscribe to our church emails, update from Pastor Josh. So you know it's Here we go. Here comes the essay. (laughs) Uh, and I try to put enough in there, you know, a little bit of a reminder of, you know, what we're doing, uh, why we're leaving some songs and singing of some songs by some people in some churches and some groups behind. Because we're walking this way. We don't want to unintentionally or otherwise intentionally lead people to a theologically incorrect mindset towards chainsaws and flamethrowers. Let's walk this way. Along that is also this wood box thing we built. Pole pit. Cool name. I guess it's the pit where the poles go. (laughs) This little standy wood box thing. And if you know, uh, over the past seven years, in fact, uh, this is now coming up to this October, we'll start my eighth year here at what is now True Life Church. It's crazy. Uh, but for the past seven years, it's been mostly topical preaching. If you're unaware, that's pretty much the, the concept of here's something I feel led or want to talk about, now let's cherry-pick scriptures that go along with it. That's not necessarily a bad way to go, but it is the way in which I feel not called to for this sake of time. Maybe in perpetuity, I don't know. So we're just I don't get to make up what comes next in Acts chapter 10. It's just there. We have to do our best to exposit and to teach it the best we can. Myself and our elders, which I'm thankful for. And there, when, I, when I had the table, and I liked the table, don't get me wrong. I like the table every once in a while, the table might come out. The table's fun. But it's different than wood box. And I want to make a, a, an honest confession. Behind this wood box, I'm afraid. I am afraid every week. Behind table, I was confident. Now why is that? Because behind the table, I could wing it. My confidence was found in myself. In my own energetic communication or charismatic skills. And I was comfortable. I am comfortable in who I am. So I just I could be up there and do all the voices and everything and not bat an eye because it was playing for the communication card. The presentation. And there is a difference. One of the reasons I felt God, I guess, called me to build this thing. Built this thing with Mike Avento. Because the real ones are expensive. So, you know, in the same way that the, the mark of a Jedi was to build his own lightsaber... Like, I'm going to build my own pulpit. So he did. And I'm fearful. Not in a bad way, in a good way. Because it's a holy and righteous fear of the Lord. From the table, and just focusing on the presentation, friends, I could rely on my own confidence and my own skills. Here. There is a reverence in my heart for the approach and for the correct teaching of the Word of God. And for me, when I stand here, though I might be funny sometimes or funny looking, I'm serious. I'm very serious. Because what we teach matters. The eunuch saying, How will I know unless someone guides me? And if I walked into your house, if you read the email, you probably read some of this already, but if I walked into your house, the things that I would see there would be important to you. If you have a large TV, I know you like football or movies or TV or games or sports. If you come over to my house, there's a grand piano. You know that I would value music. If I go to your house and there's pictures of the little kids' drawings on your refrigerator, you know that you love your little one's art. If there's a pool in the backyard, it says, hey, you got an expensive house. I'm just kidding. It says, hey, there's, there's, a, there's a place you like and enjoy the outdoors or relaxing by the pool or having family and friends over and, and, and hosting and, and making a big wet splash everywhere. What's large in your house shows what you value, in the same way that well, you see your large expenses in your checkbook shows what you value. And when someone comes here, it's a reminder that this box has a silent existing purpose of saying the teaching of the Word of God is important here. The table comes and goes, it's transitory. But this stays put. Because the teaching of the Word of God is important. It's priority. And I hope that that's the same for you in your own lives, in your own homes, in your own families. That, men, you're leading your homes well. and Loving your family. That wives, you're, you're loving your husbands well and leading your family. That you're reading the Word of God together. That our children are growing up in the knowledge and the understanding. And the need, our shared inherent need of a Savior... And the call to repent and be baptized. So Ananias here was obedient despite his caution. He trusted God over his circumstances. Faith over fear and Jesus above his own life. Which he probably thought on one hand, I may not come back from Jesus' house. Saul of Tarsus may open his eyes and want to kill me. Thanks be to God, that is not what happened. I just actually want to close with this. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Peter writes, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully, throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. You couldn't buy your way out of chainsaws and flamethrowers, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world that was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and it's glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So again, we are called, friends. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Let's not walk that way any longer. Steps large or small in your life this week, if you are a new creation in Christ, walk the direction in which you have been called, laying aside the things of the world, pursuing Christ, Forgetting what lies behind and focusing on what lies ahead. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the glory set before him and will now sit at the right hand of the Father. We pursue Christ. And if you don't know him today, I want to be up here for this last song or two to give you an option of someone to pray with. And if you need someone to guide you, friend, we are here as a church, myself included, to help guide you in those next steps in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not up here to say we've got it all figured out. But let's walk together. Thanks be to God. Amen. I want to invite the band up as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word for us. I pray that if we are like the world, unaware, unseen, not understanding, that we would have a moment this morning even where or in our lives, that you intersect us right where we're at that you call us out of the old life into the new in a bold and powerful and holy way that only you can do. There may be others who, like Ananias, just might need a reminder to be obedient. Say, it might not seem like the great way to go, or the world might say, that's a bad idea, but we're going to trust Because you are God and we are not. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts higher than our thoughts. So God, I pray that we are obedient and keeping our trust solely in you. And that as a church, we will be ready, and willing, and able to guide those around us who are comfortable where they're at in the gray area or because of their choices are running headfirst into chainsaws and flamethrowers and our call would simply be again turn around turn around you don't have to run that way it leads to death there is a person The Son of God who lived as one of us came, died fully God and fully man on a cross. was resurrected on the third day for the forgiveness of our sins that by our belief and obedience in Him we would be saved. And we are in the process of being saved and one day will be saved. Not by our own doing. But because of God who loved us so much that He sent that Son in the first place. By this blood, that sacrifice, we are set free. Free to not have to walk in chains the other way. But that our eyes, like Saul's, would be opened and we'd be able to understand that that way leads to death. That your way leads to life. For you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through the Son, Jesus Christ. As the followers of the way we're called, I pray that we walk in that way.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. This weekly podcast is a ministry of True Life Church. If you'd like to help keep these audio sermons available, you can support our ministry online at www.truelifemelbourne.com forward slash give. Until next time, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.